This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Joining us now uh, is the former counsel to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, Mike Davis. Uh, he is also the head of the Article 3 project. He has uh, joined us before. Uh, extraordinarily knowledgeable uh, about uh, Washington and its ways. Uh, a fierce defender of uh, President uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and I appreciate very much uh, Mike, you're joining us here today. Welcome uh, to the Roger Stone Show. Thank you for having me, Roger. Uh, there's really so much to talk about. It's almost hard to know where to start, but let's start at the most obvious place. Uh, in this past week, uh, or 10 days, I guess, uh, we have learned that three <coughs> of the defendants uh, in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, those being uh, author, uh, lawyer Kenneth Chesborough, who I do not know, I've never communicated with. Uh, also, uh, Sidney Powell, who I've actually never met, but I'm certainly familiar with. Uh, and now Jenna Ellis uh, have uh, pled to crimes, presumably uh, because they uh, will be utilized to testify uh, against President Donald Trump in those legal proceedings. Uh, Mike, what do you make of this? My, I actually think these pleas show the weakness of Fannie Willis's entire theory of the case, her racketeering or RICO theory, that you're somehow going to bring racketeering charges that you use to take down the mob, to take down your political enemies. And I think Fannie Willis put so much pressure on these attorneys to uh, to plead guilty to a crime, and it seems like she's having them plead guilty to pretty insignificant crimes, and she's going to recommend no jail time. So, so to me, again, that shows the weakness in her case. And even if these attorneys testify uh, for the prosecution in this case, I don't understand what they're going to testify to that's going to be problematic because, as I've said all along, it is not a crime to object to presidential elections. It's specifically allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887, and if it were a crime to object to presidential elections, you would have Democrats like Al Gore and John Kerry and Hillary Clinton in prison for objecting to Republican presidential wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. And if it were a crime to twist arms politically, which is allowed by the First Amendment, every politician in America would be in jail. Uh, and if it were a crime to be a jerk in politics, just about every politician in America, except for Chuck Grassley, the nicest guy in Washington, would be in jail. So this these plea agreements 
don't show that Fannie Willis is is zeroing in on Trump. I think it shows that she's trying to cut bait. Yeah, just for the clarification of our listeners, uh, Fannie Willis is the Fulton County prosecutor and elected Democrat, uh, who, uh, to be clear, has, has received very substantial funding for her election from uh, Trump critic George Soros. But I want to clarify that for uh, for our listeners. Uh, in the 45 years that I have been in the American political arena, uh, I've never quite seen anything like this. Uh, late last week, uh, there was a fury flurry of stories, all of them seeming to emanate off of an ABC News story uh, that said that Mark Meadows, the president's former chief of staff, uh, had received immunity uh, to testify, presumably, against President Donald Trump uh, in D.C. in front of a D.C. grand jury. Now, I had uh, reporters uh, from the New York Times uh, and the Washington Post uh, and uh, the Associated Press, among others, tell me that they don't think that report is entirely accurate. Uh, and then really clouding the situation, and this perhaps is the downside of social media, uh, somebody posted a claim uh, that Mark Meadows, former member of Congress, uh, who, by the way, I've, uh, I have no member of ever speaking to. I may have met him years ago and in the green room at Fox when he was a congressman prior to the Trump presidency, but who I most never, most definitely never spoke to on January 5th or 6th, contrary to congressional testimony by one of his aides, uh, but that he was allegedly wearing a wire uh, and uh, working for the FBI as an informant the entire time that he was serving as President Donald Trump's chief of staff. Uh, I'm happy to say that his attorney put out a vehement denial of that. Yeah, and the person who reported it put out a retraction and an apology online. So I would say this, there's a lot of people who are trying to subtle scores right now. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that we should let the facts come out during this trial and not let these smears and leaks and lies try to control the narrative before the trial. Um, I, you know, from what I can tell, it seems like Mark Meadows is a good man who was loyal to Trump and remains loyal to Trump. And uh, but that's the evidence that I have. And that's what I've seen. So we'll, we'll see if that changes, but that's the evidence we have right now. Well, grand jury testimony is supposed to be secret. Uh, that's not to say it never leaks, but it rarely leaks from the person testifying. Uh, we do have a book by Mr. Meadows in which uh, he does assert that he believes that there were irregularities and anomalies in the 2020 election. I really think this underlines the one of the dangers uh, of uh, social media. Now, I'm a, I'm a free speech absolutist. Uh, I hated it when uh, I was unilaterally banned in 2017 from Twitter, now known as X, uh, from Facebook, 
uh, where I'm still banned for life. By the way, folks, there is a Roger Stone uh, on Facebook. Uh, he uses my image. He uses my bio from X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, whoever this person or persons are, they often post things, uh, cross-posting from my uh, posts uh, at X, uh, where I'm pretty judicious about what I say, frankly. Uh, but that person is not me. Uh, and if you follow that person or persons uh, or entity, you are not following me. Strangely enough, I've complained, uh, had my attorney complain. Uh, other friends of mine who are still admitted on Facebook have complained. Uh, but the uh, profile persists. Uh, don't follow that individual or individuals because, folks, they are not me. And, of course, I, I fear that someone will seek to put words uh, in my mouth, creating uh, the kind of misimpression that we have just seen. Sorry to take that moment of personal privilege, but, um, well, I guess I had to do so. Uh, Mike, uh, what is your view uh, of the gag order, uh, which seems in a most recent filing, uh, that the government is uh, seeking to uh, tighten uh, against uh, President Donald Trump uh, in D.C. Now, I myself was submitted uh, to uh, such a, a gag order during my own trial. Uh, the government, the judge's argument was that my ability to defend uh, myself on social media, which my social media following at that point was pretty meager, I'd been already banned on Twitter. I uh, didn't have many followers anywhere else, but that it would taint the jury pool. Uh, and therefore, that was the purpose for the gag order. The problem with that, of course, is that the gag order was left in place after I was convicted uh, uh, and prior to my being sentenced uh, and right up until the moment that I was sentenced, which kind of disproves that that was the purpose of the gag order to begin with. Mike, is this gag order of Donald Trump unconstitutional? It is absolutely unconstitutional. It is egregious. What happened to you was un-American. What, what is happening to President Trump is un-American. A criminal defendant, more than anyone in America, needs the constitutional rights to speak out about uh, against the judge, against the court staff, against the prosecutor, against the process. And to gag a criminal defendant during that process is a clear violation of the First Amendment. It's a clear violation of the Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial. Uh, it is, uh, it's disgusting what they're doing. It's disgusting that this Biden special counsel, Jack Smith, is teaming up with this obnoxiously partisan D.C. Obama judge, Tanya Shutkin, and, and trying to gag President Trump. Now, Trump filed a very strong legal brief after the gag order, and Tanya Shutkin, uh, she put her gag order on hold temporarily because I think she realized how badly she screwed up. And I, President Trump should take this to the Supreme Court uh, if necessary because you have these highly partisan, uh, oftentimes Obama-appointed, obnoxious district court judges in D.C. who do not care about the rule of law. They only care about 
getting their political enemies and the, and the political results, the Marxist. You have the D.C. Stat, uh, you have the Obama stat D.C. Circuit, which is the Court of Appeals for the D.C. District Court. So the Supreme Court, which has discretionary review, these Republican-appointed justices on the Supreme Court are going to have to put on their big boy pants uh, at some point, and they're going to have to intervene on these highly partisan cases. These, this is election interference. These are Republic-ending tactics. These Supreme Court justices have lifetime tenure. They have pay protection, and they have to do their damn jobs. And that includes batting down these highly partisan judges who do these blatantly unconstitutional things. The First Amendment protects Americans, not the government. The Sixth Amendment protects criminal defendants' right to a fair trial, not the government's right to a fair trial. The the local D.C. criminal rules to which Jack Smith and Tanya Shuck incite 57 Dot seven, I believe, is what it is. It protect the whole point of a gag order is to protect the uh, the accused, the criminal defendant, to make sure he gets a fair trial. It's not to protect the government and Jack Smith and his staff, or the court and their staff. Uh, I'm not an attorney, uh, that's for sure. But uh, does the president not have to first? Uh, uh, first, I guess, the judge has to make a ruling. So she stayed her gag order uh, based on a motion by Trump's lawyers, which I read. Uh, and uh, since then, the government uh, has come forward, I think it was last Friday, perhaps it was last Thursday, uh, with uh, uh, a, an assertion uh, that Trump had uh, threatened uh, Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, uh, based on the entire contratemps that we discussed uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, but from a procedural point of view, uh, does the judge have to not first rule on the gag order, Trump appeal that to the circuit court uh, before the Supremes could reach down and consider that question, or do I have that wrong? No, that's that's exactly right. And for Jack Smith to say that Trump is threatening threatening witnesses, it's absurd. It's so absurd that the ACLU, a group that hates President Trump, actually felt compelled to to intervene and file a motion saying how absurd this is. There is a reason Jack Smith got banished to the Hague. He got unanimously reversed, eight to nothing. By the Supreme Court, it would have been nine to nothing, but Justice Scalia passed away after Jack Smith brought a highly partisan, illegal uh, criminal prosecution against former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, a likely presidential or vice presidential candidate in 2016. It is very hard <clears throat> for the prosecutor to get reversed by the Supreme Court. It is nearly impossible for that to happen unanimously. And Jack Smith found the way. He should be he should be out of the practice of law. He is a partisan hack. He is a disgrace to the legal to the legal profession. And it's truly embarrassing that this DC Obama judge Tanya Shukin is so partisan and or so ignorant that she's going along with Jack Smith's partisan games. Uh, it, it would seem to me, since the Constitution says says that political free speech is particularly protected, uh, that Trump's status as a presidential candidate, where he's 
duly filed with the Federal Election Commission, uh, and obviously an active candidate for president, uh, that that would be a factor uh, in the decision regarding this gag order. But in previous uh, transcripts that I've read uh, of the uh, of the proceeds uh, proceedings uh, in the D.C. courtroom, the judge has generally rejected that argument, saying. She didn't even call him President Trump, by the way. She always refers to him as Mr. Trump. I find that interesting. Uh, uh, she has essentially rejected that argument from the get-go. Yeah, because she's a partisan clown, and she proves every day that she's in that courtroom with President Trump that she's a partisan clown. Of course, the First Amendment provide, provides much greater protections for presidential candidates because it's dealing with political speech. As you said, and our entire justice system involves separation of powers. Do we really want to go down the path? This is the first time ever that a former president or a leading presidential candidate, any major presidential candidate, has been indicted by his political and uh, by his political enemies' justice department. We are in unprecedented territory, and the reason it's unprecedented is because you're not supposed to do this unless it's in the most extreme. <laughs> cases and they have the, the biden president biden merrick garland jack smith and all these goons in the biden justice department have politicized and weaponized our justice system to go after their political enemies whether it's trump trump's top aides trump's advisors like you uh, trump supporters christians praying outside of abortion clinics parents outraged by gender chaos and the resulting bathroom rapes in high schools. This is not our parents or grandparents Democrat Party. These are not liberals who love America. These are Obama leftists. These are Marxists and they are they are they are destructive to our country. And that is why it is so critically important that President Trump is back in the White House after November fifth, twenty twenty four, because our our country is on the line. These are Republican tactics by the Democrats. And do you want President Biden replacing Clarence Thomas with Tanya Shutkin on the Supreme Court? Or do you want Donald Trump replacing Clarence Thomas with someone like Amul Thapar on the Supreme Court? That's what this next election is all about. It's our it's our God given rights to speak, to associate, to worship, to protect ourselves. Our country is on the line on November fifth. 2024. Uh, folks, if you're just uh, tuning in, I'm Roger Stone. This is the Roger Stone Show here on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, and we're talking to Mike Davis, uh, former senior counsel to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, about uh, various issues uh, over the last past week uh, pertaining uh, to the tsunami of a lawfare uh, against uh, President uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Mike, what do you make of these stories uh, last Thursday, I guess it was, uh, that, uh, that the FBI uh, and the U.S. Attorney in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, had reports from 40 different, I believe, human sources uh, of corruption uh, on behalf of, uh, I believe it was, a vice president then, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and the based on everything that I have seen, 
the Pittsburgh prosecutor forwarded this information to prosecutors in D.C., uh, in Delaware, and in California, all of whom had some jurisdiction, uh, whereupon virtually all of it died. Now, this was uh, brought to the fore by Senator Chuck Grassley, who at this juncture, uh, with the retirement of the great Orrin Hatch, who I think was the other great U.S. senator uh, of the last several decades, I think is one of the greatest men in the U.S. Senate, perhaps one of the greatest men in U.S. Senate history in terms of his integrity uh, and his uh, and his courage. What did you make of this report? Yeah, and I agree with you. I work for Senator Chuck Grassley, and I agree with you on all those things. And I would say, remember that Bill Barr got this evidence in the last six months of the Trump administration, right? And actually, the last year of the Trump administration, he sent this evidence <clears throat> that President Biden and his family were corrupt by tens of millions of dollars in foreign bribes and corruption, including the Burisma allegation. <clears throat> Bill Barr sent it to the Pittsburgh U.S. attorney who deemed these allegations credible. And so then Bill Barr, for some reason, sent it to the Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, the Delaware U.S. Attorney who was handpicked by both Democrat home state senators. Uh, and David Weiss buried that evidence for many years. And it sounds like and it, it sounds like other U.S. Attorney's offices, including L.A. and D.C., have buried this evidence for many years. This is corruption to its core in, in the Justice Department, right? And these are not only is it the, not only is it the Biden <clears throat> Justice Department officials. You had uh, uh, Bill Barr, who didn't seem to uh, care too much. He, you know, if you have a if you have credible evidence that a a likely uh, president of the United States, or at least a a uh, leading presidential contender, is corrupted by foreign bribes and corruption, you would think, as the Attorney General of the United States, you would follow up on that. You would probably want to alert congressional leadership on a bipartisan basis. So we're not in a nightmare scenario where a sitting president of the United States is corrupt and compromised by illegal bribes as the vice president of the United States. And that's exactly the situation that we're in right now. The president of the United States is corrupt. He's compromised. And this has a disastrous effect on, um, on America. Do you think that Russia would have invaded Ukraine if he if they didn't if Russia didn't know that Biden was corrupt and compromised by these foreign bribes and other corruption. It's also going to embolden China to, to go in after Taiwan if, if China knows that the president is weak and corrupt and compromised. And so the Biden the, the Justice Department as a whole, from the political leadership to these so-called career assistant U.S. attorneys, they're corrupt. This is this is a politicized and weaponized department of our federal government. And when President Trump is back in office after January 20th, 2025, he needs to clean house at the Justice Department. He needs to clean house at these intel agencies because we're not going to, our country is not going to last very long if we continue down this path of a politicized and weaponized justice system, law, uh, law enforcement agencies and intel agencies. Uh, th this is uh, one of my greater concerns, is that uh, we already have, obviously, a hot war uh, in Ukraine. 
uh, to which we have put in <clears throat> in excess of $200 billion. Uh, Zelensky, President Zelensky is asking for more. Uh, we now have our allies in Israel who, in my opinion, need assistance. But I would hope that that assistance does not include boots on the ground or the use of the U.S. Air Force, although late last week there were reports of U.S. fighter jets attacking Hamas targets in Syria. Uh, I hope that is not a slippery slope. Uh, but my fear is uh, that as the Chinese see us mired in a two-front war, uh, decide to make their move on Taiwan, uh, and uh, because of Taiwan's monopoly on the production of computer chips, uh, that that has a seriously deleterious effect on the U.S. stock market, which in turn has an extraordinarily uh, negative uh, impact uh, on the U.S. economy. That is, that is really my greatest single fear. Uh, and uh, given that this administration uh, seems compromised, certainly when it comes to China, uh, I don't think that that's, an out, that that's an outrageous assumption. I don't think that's an untoward fear. No, I agree with you. And this is, remember, we had four years of peace and prosperity under President Trump. These our enemies, our adversaries, there's no way in hell they would do what they're doing under President Biden because they, they know that President Trump was a strong, decisive leader and he would not tolerate this. And then we have this weak, compromised buffoon of a president and Joe Biden, and our enemies are eating America's lunch. And this is very dangerous for the rest of the world. We are distracted in Ukraine. What what Putin did in Ukraine is terrible. Putin's a monster. We get that. But this is a Europe problem, right? Why is this an America problem? And are we willing to go to World War III to save three Russian-speaking provinces in eastern Ukraine? The, uh, Ukraine's interest and America's interest are not aligned in Ukraine. Uh, we uh, Ukraine stands stands the chance of losing everything in this war against Russia. America does not. And this is why Ukraine is trying to drag America into this war, because Ukraine has everything to lose. We do not. It's terrible what's happening, and Europe should step up and start taking care of Ukraine, because this is a Europe problem. Russia threatens Europe. We need to be focusing on our allies. We need to be focusing on our national security interests, and that includes Israel and Taiwan. And we need to stop being distracted, like you said, Roger, by the, the this, this silly war in Ukraine that America should not be involved with. So uh, with the new election of Speaker Mike Johnson of Louisiana, uh, uh, Mike Davis, do you think that there will be a new aggressiveness, perhaps even including subpoenas, uh, in the House investigation, the House Oversight investigation, the House Judiciary Committee investigation, uh, into the corruption of the Bidens, particularly in light of these new revelations by Senator Grassley? Yes, absolutely. Speaker Mike Johnson is uh, the best that we can hope for. He is outstanding. He is a brilliant lawyer, 
uh, constitutional scholar, uh, uh, committed conservative, just an all-around good man, good person. So it is very good that he is the Speaker of the House, and I'm very happy we had three weeks of chaos to get to this point, and we should cheer Congressman Matt Gates for forcing this because we finally have a Speaker of the House who is uh, who represents uh, real Americans and real America. He's a conservative. He, he's he's a religious person. He's a great person for the job. He's the perfect man at the at the right time to be in there because our country is heading off of a cliff, and Speaker Mike Johnson can help right that ship. And part of that is oversight over this corrupt president and his corrupt administration that we have, like we discussed, we have a clearly compromised president of the United States. He's taken tens of millions of dollars from China, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, or wherever the hell else he's taken money. It seems like every Biden family member is on the take, except for the five-year-old granddaughter who they finally acknowledged after five years of political pressure. This is a corrupt family. They're rotten. They're a terrible family. This Joe Biden, every, everyone thinks that Joe Biden is this good man. And, you know, uh, he's not. He's a terrible human being. He's rotten to the core. And Mike Johnson, as the Speaker of the House, I think he's going to breathe new life into uh, the, the House Judiciary investigations and unshackle James Comer, who's doing a fantastic job, and let them actually do their jobs and issue subpoenas and enforce those subpoenas on the House floor and enforce those subpoenas in federal court and get to the bottom of all this. All right. I'm afraid we are out of time. A very special thanks to Mike Davis, a former senior counsel to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, head of the Article 3 project. Mike, thank you for joining us here on the Roger Stone Show. 